promised it, you will perform it. God, we're so thankful for that. When everything around us is moving and changing, when there's those around us that have been disloyal and have disappointed us, that you are always there. You're ever the same, yesterday, today, and forever. We're so grateful, we're so thankful that you are a faithful God, that your mercies are new every single morning. God, we just depend upon that, that your mercies are always there. Your loving kindness is from everlasting to everlasting. Oh, God, we're so grateful, we're so thankful that what you did in Christ Jesus some 2,000 years ago is active right now. That blood that you shed, Jesus, that when you raised from the dead, you ascended and you sprinkled upon the mercy seat in heaven, that blood is still there. It's never, ever lost its power to save, to heal, to deliver, to set free, to make whole. To every single person who would call upon your name with a sincere heart, leaving all other things behind, that you come in and you save, deliver, set free, make whole. The power of the blood, your faithfulness remains today. We're so grateful. We're so thankful for that. We're thankful, Holy Spirit, that you're here to lead us and to guide us. You're here to minister to every heart and in every life. You're here to bring revelation and understanding concerning who Jesus is, who we are in you. You're here to reveal those graces and the gifts, the empowerments upon our life that we truly might rise above the normal, the ordinary, and begin to live extraordinary. That we might rise above the super or the natural and live in the supernatural life. That we might do what we do, what you've called us to do. In ordinary, everyday, getting up, walking around life, we might do it with that supernatural essence that you bring, that we truly might bring glory and honor and praise unto you. So lead us tonight, guide us tonight. I thank you that there is your anointing as we come together to come over us, to break every yoke of bondage, that we might be free when we leave this place to serve you in the way that you've called us to, that we might serve others with the love of God and the power of the Holy Spirit, that truly we might make a difference in our generation, that we truly might see what has been prophesied about us, that we would arise and we would shine, that there would be power, there would be the presence of God, there would be the glory of God like liquid light that shines on the church, that flows like liquid fire from the hands, bringing healing and, and restoration to those around us. So we thank you in this day, in this hour, that there is a display and there's a pouring out of the Holy Spirit and your mighty power. In this day, in this generation, there's things to be seen and things to be done it would bring glory and honor and praise to Jesus the Son. Not for man's glory, but for your glory. We live. Oh God, we thank you for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit of God. We thank you for that which you have spoken, that which you will perform as we yield our hearts and we set ourselves to obey you so we give you the glory, we give you the honor, we give you the praise, we give you the thanksgiving for everything that will be accomplished in every heart, in every life, throughout this campus. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing, 
children's ministry. I thank you, Lord, that those men and women, those young people, God, even now they're anointed to speak into the lives of those children. Speak as of the oracles of God. Speak life-giving words that will begin to resonate in their spirit. Their, their, their innocent hearts begin to rise up and strengthen them in their inner man. That they'll see things. They'll know things. They will know that you are their God. That they are your children right now at the age that they're at. That they'll never depart from that. But they'll walk in the glory of God knowing you like they've never known before. Even like a generation before did not know you. They will know you because the ministers see the value of the grace. I thank you for the anointing. Anointing, God, upon the youth for their generation, God. That the, as this school year starts, they won't draw back because of pressure, but they'll lean in and press in to the glory of God. That there'll be a light in that high school. There'll be a light in that middle school. They'll stand for what is right, and they'll stand up and stand out by the glory of God. That you'll be with them every day. That they'll shine as a light. They'll be strengthened in their inner man by the Holy Spirit of God. That even though when they feel weak because of the pressure, they'll realize something rising on the inside. The very grace and strength of the Holy Spirit to stand tall and to stand out for their generation for the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord, for what you're doing right now. No matter what the age group, no matter what the demographic, that you are moving by your spirit to build us, to strengthen us for the day we're in and the days to come. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone who agreed said, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Good to see you tonight. Church, how are you? One thing I know, you're spread all over the place. Amen. Praise the Lord. Youth, you can be dismissed to your meeting. Why don't you greet three or four people? Why don't you walk across the room and greet somebody that you've sat miles away from and just tell them you're glad to see them tonight. I want to welcome you if you're joining us by live stream. We're glad that you're with us. Praise the Lord. Greet somebody around you. Hallelujah. God is good. How are you? Praise the Lord, for he's good and his mercy endures forever. We're so glad that you're here tonight, New Creation Church, Sunday night edition. Amen. There's just something about Sunday night, uh, other than that you guys sit in the same seat you do on Sunday morning, which spreads you all over the place. Uh, Praise the Lord. There's just a place where you can really begin to um, uh, worship God, be free, and so uh, a different element to Sunday night. Praise the Lord. Uh, there's just things that are happening in the spirit that if we stay diligent, uh, there's going to be a breaking out and a breaking uh, forth of some things that are incredibly powerful uh, for you. Amen? And so I uh, just want to give you this chance. If you weren't here this morning or you weren't prepared with your local church tithes and offerings, I want to give you an opportunity to give. If you're making out a check, make it out to New Creation Church. If you can buy cash or debit, or credit card, uh, you can raise your hand. The ushers will give you an envelope. If you're giving by text, the number's up there. If you're watching online want to get involved in giving, uh, there's a giving tab right there. We want to thank you for your generosity, all that is done. Uh, you know, somebody was talking to me this morning about the church. You know, we were talking about the church, the New Testament church, and how really they had all things in common because there was things going on, at the, especially the church at Jerusalem. There were things going on, and there was the, not everybody was able to... Um, 
uh, take care of themselves. So many offerings came in and were distributed from the local church. And they said, well, you know, I've just been looking at that. that we, they had all things in common. And so in America, just because of where we are, not that there aren't people in need, it, it looks a little bit different. And I said, well, we're doing that. They said, hmm? I said, well, we just gave thousands of dollars uh, to pastors who couldn't afford leadership materials. They were in need. We distributed, right? We're supporting missions around the world, so it's coming, and we're distributing to those less fortunate. If all of a sudden things start to happen more in this nation, we may have to see how that works in this community, but we're blessed in our nation, right? Even, even when we see poor in our nation in comparison, they're not. So really, as the body, collectively, your generosity is affecting things and helping uh, ministry go out really throughout uh, uh, not just the valley, but the, the region and into the whole world. And so we appreciate your giving. We know that the word of God is true. How many of you believe the word of God is true? So he said, you really can't get involved in giving and receiving concerning the kingdom, right? And, uh, and understand, you know, and, and really sometimes we don't understand this as we're going through and we have a need. But when you start to see God really move in your life, uh, in this area where it just seems like the blessing is overtaking you, you really start to find out that giving is actually more blessed than receiving. Right? You say, I don't know if that's true because I need some stuff right now. And, uh, man, it's a blessing when somebody comes up and says, God told me to give to you and you receive that. You're like, man, thank you, Jesus. But, you know, one thing, just encourage you when somebody does that and they, they, they come up and they give you something, immediately just say, thank you, Jesus. It's great to receive, but say, you know, what do you want me to do with this? Because he might say, you know what, I gave that to you to meet a need that you have, and that's a blessing. But he said, I might have moved this into your hands so you get to experience what the person just experienced in giving you that, how blessed it is to give. Amen? So I know you know that, but, uh, again, I believe it's going to happen in greater measure. Because he, he's a God of increase, right? And so when we get that, that thought, he says, I'll, I'll take that moment of giving, I'll take that moment of your sowing, and I'll cause grace to be attached to that. Grace, my ability, my favor, uh, my influence to be attached to that for every area of your life. So that no matter what it is, no matter where it is in your job, in relationship, in your family, there will be grace upon you so that you have all sufficiency in everything, right? It's attached, that is attached to uh, sowing and reaping. But he says, listen, when I, my grace comes on you, uh, it's not limited uh, just simply to finances. He said, I'll touch every area of your life. Why? Because most every area of your life ends up affecting you financially. So there's something you may be looking for dollars, but there's a grace on your life, a sufficiency that all of a sudden means this ain't going to cost me any money. Uh, it's going to make me money, right? Uh, uh, or it's going to provide for us in some way. So he said, I'll cause this, all, this grace to abound towards you so that you have all sufficiency. He said, now may he supply seed to the sower and bread for food. Isn't that nice? He gives you bread for food and he gives you seed to sow. Sometimes we're just trying to hold on to it. He says, listen, I've got this figured out. I know what you need, so I'll give you bread, but I'll have seed. God says, I get it. I understand what's bread and seed. Sometimes we don't. But all of a sudden we say, God has given me bread so that I can eat, but he's given me seed to sow. He said, I'll start something that will create a generosity in your life, that through the generosity in your life, thanksgiving will go up to God through you. 
Come on. There's just something about that. We don't receive glory in the sense, but all of a sudden God receives glory because he's impacted our life with grace. We've utilized that grace, and somebody's just thanking God because God did something through a human being that transformed their life, supplied for something, did something in their life, and they begin to thank God. I, I don't think, you know, really if we understood it, there'd be no greater uh, scenery to step back and look at than the people who are affected by the grace of God in people's lives in whatever area, and they're just like, oh my God, I cannot believe that you did that for me through them. Thank you, God. And to sit back and watch how God's using people to bless people and how they thank God just for what people have obeyed God to do. Amen? And uh, you're part of that. There'll be people all over, you know, if we believe it, you know, some people may or may not believe it, but in heaven walk up to you and say, thank you. And you'll say, for what? I don't even think I remember you or know you. Say, thanks for your generosity. Somebody came to my village and shared the gospel. And I am eternally grateful for your generosity. Wow. That'll be fun. Amen? That'll be fun. A fun day in heaven. They come up and say, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot for what? Forgiven, right? For being generous. It's not just people we know, but people we don't know. So thank you for your giving. I'll just thank you on behalf of other people who will thank you in heaven for your generosity. It makes an impact all over the world. And really, you know, as we've been talking about uh, week after week, I think we've had a couple weeks where we haven't uh, heard that report. But man, when we started the jail ministry back up, uh, people in the jail were getting saved every single week. Uh, women and men in the jail. Well, that's because of your giving uh, and, and just having the local church body here to minister. So uh, there's just things going on. People are getting saved uh, because we're here. So we're thankful for that. We're believing God for you that you have the best year ever. Ever. Praise the Lord. Say, man, I had a pretty good year. It'll be tough to have the best year ever. Well, God just keeps getting better and better. I mean, he doesn't really. Our revelation of him gets better. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as great as he is, it's tough to get any better. But our view of him gets better and better. And that you experience more of his glory, his grace, his provision every single day. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we're thankful for you. We ready? Did I give you enough time to hand out those envelopes and get the buckets? All right. Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this place. I thank you for this people. I thank you for their generosity. God, just uh, the obedience to your word, the impact it's having in different places in the world. Uh, we're so thankful for that. Lives being changed, things we don't even know. But because your word is true, because these people have been generous, there's thanksgiving going up to you because of their generosity. And because of that, I just declare that your word is true. The seed that they've sown generously will come back to them so bountifully in the harvest that they won't even know what to do with it. I thank you, Lord. There'll just be enough to where they're so generous. They won't know what to do. Every time you move their heart, they'll have something to give, something to release, something to say, something to impart because of your generosity, your grace upon them. They realize it's not them but you. And from that, there's a bountiful, eternal flow that they can uh, bring out of, they can draw out of in blessing people's lives. So I thank you for blessing them 
in every way. I thank you that your grace abounds towards them in every way, that they have all sufficiency in everything they're able to give to every work of love that you put on their heart. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Romans, the 12th chapter. Uh, we got into this just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we're going to continue uh, to move into it just a little bit more. Uh, Paul said, you know, as we looked into to Romans, we started off, there's a number of things without recapping that, but we've just finished up uh, some of the more difficult chapters as theologians and others, if you read about it, think the final conclusion being, you know, what people have been pondered over. Well, it says that God, God has these divine assignments and God gets to choose and he, he chooses the vessel. He's the potter, we're not the clay. And so people get, well, then what, what do we do? God's, God's just sovereign and so we don't have any choice, case rah, rah. Well, we know there's something on the inside that says that's not true. And so what Paul lines out, even using Israel as an example, he said, I would give my life for them that they would know Jesus, but they've made a choice not to. And then he goes on and says, well, God, by assignment, not everybody who says they're Israel is Israel because God chose Jacob and uh, not Esau. And how, how he made this, this assignment. So we think, well, if God's choosing, what do we have to do? But then he keeps coming around to the fact that, it, well, so Israel throws up their hands and says, well, how are we supposed to know? And he said, they're without excuse. God told them over and over and over what he would be doing, and they got to choose. So God did what God was going to do, but he gives man choice. And so these chapters have thrown people off. You know, we went through it as a staff, and the staff's just scratching their head. What does he mean? Is he sovereign, or are we supposed to do our thing? Both. Both. It's just settled. God is sovereign, and he created man with a choice. God will do what God will do, but we get to choose to cooperate with what God's doing, to see what God has said in the future and follow that. That's why it's so important, as we said, Proverbs chapter 4, to take the word and to give it the proper attention to bind it into our hearts and let the word of God get into our hearts, take a hold of our hearts, and then guard it because out of it flow the issues, the parameters of life, out of our heart, out of the faith that develops in our heart, we begin to speak out direction in our life. We begin to know that God is doing something, and he said he would do it, right? Jesus is coming again for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. He's coming again. If we start going, well, I don't know, and then all of a sudden Jesus comes back, and we're like, well, I didn't know. It'll be the same thing. Yes, you did know. He said he's coming again. He said we should be busy about things in our generation because he is coming again. And so if we just say, well, you know what, I'm just going to go on about my business. It doesn't matter. I'll follow the world if I want, and someday I'll just I'll, I'll bring it all around. He said, wait a minute, that might be too late. Israel was busy about doing whatever they thought that they were doing. You read the Old Testament, and prophets had to come and say, what are you guys doing? I have a covenant with you. You're living like the world. You're just taking it, taking it easy, going with the flow. And even Jeremiah came to tell them, listen, God's given you this space of time. I'm here to tell you that you're doing this. And they said, listen, if God was going to do something, he'd have done something by now. If God was upset with the way that we're living, he'd have done something by now. Well, he was about to do something by now. And they ended up in captivity, you know, wondering about that, but they had a choice to turn. And God's giving us a choice. I believe right now he's stirring in the church. He's stirring some things in. You're like, yeah, I know, but on Monday and Tuesday it kind of wanes. No, listen to what God is saying 
to you and how it connects individually, not just for you, but he's doing something, not just in you, but for the church, so the church can be strengthened to rise up in a revival in, in, in a, a way that the glory of God can be seen by the world without, so that those who will choose will come to know him and Jesus will come again. People say, well, we've heard this before. Listen, a generation has to take hold of it. There's been revivals before, and they say, this is it, and all of a sudden it passed. But if we don't take a hold of it sincerely, then it might go to another generation. You say, well, how, 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 why do you think that? Well, it happened to the children of Israel. They, they got delivered. They went into the wilderness. God had a promised land for them, but they didn't pay attention to what God was doing as he was leading them across the wilderness. They got out of faith, and then they, they came to the promised land. They go, man, this is way too big for us. And God wants us to prepare ourselves in day-to-day living so that when we come to that point, we don't say, wow, this is way too big for me. We actually say, yes, this is too big for me, but it's not too big for God. And where I see that I'm too small, my God, the God who is living in me, the God who is telling me to do something bigger than myself, he is the one that has equipped me to do it. Praise the Lord. And so we get through that, and then he comes to this point after that in, in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service of worship. Again, we talked about this, that, you know, uh, uh, really he's talking to a people who really, uh, uh, you know, there was different ideas, and we see them even today, but for the Greeks, they were just, it was all about the spirit, the body, you could just cast off, it didn't even matter in the end, they were mystical, they were mythical uh, about spiritual things, but then the Romans just thought, you know what, your body's just to do whatever you want to, and so the body, when he comes and he says, you present your bodies a living sacrifice, he's saying, listen, God, yes, he comes to your spirit. He makes your spirit alive, but he wants you uh, spirit, soul, and body, right? Your body, your, your physical body is a weapon of righteousness for God, right? It's something that God can utilize in interaction through relationship to make a difference for somebody in all eternity, So he said the outward man, if the outward man just conducts itself by the outward and the temporal, there will be nothing to be able to be seen by others concerning the eternal. But if you allow the eternal to affect the physical and the temporal, that's where your light begins to shine. So he said give your body, give your whole self, your body, in service to God. It's just reasonable, right? There's different ways to look at it. There's different ways that people have. But, you know, a simple way to look at it is, man, Jesus gave his body as a sacrifice for us. And really, literally, if you think about it, God put on flesh to die for us so that we no longer had to serve sin as a slave of sin, but we could serve God. And, you know, being that slave or that you know, when, when he says we're a slave of sin, we can either give ourselves over to sin and be a slave of it, or we can give ourselves over to righteousness and be a slave of it. Really what he's talking about, again, is this righteousness that we have. Certainly it's right standing with God. It's being reconciled to a right relationship with God. 
But what we have to understand is right relationship with God is not necessarily what I would think about and say, you know what, I I have a right relationship uh, with Bucky. We've been friends forever. God is a friend of mine. But actually what he says is what I had in mind from the very beginning is that we would have a covenant relationship. That everything that I have would belong to you and everything that you have would belong to me. That's how he created the right relationship is he made the earth and the fullness of all the earth and then he made man and he said, everything I've gotten, everything I've created, it's yours. And then he said, all I want from you is to say, everything I'm doing with this is yours. And we, man went, I think I'm going to make my own decision about this. And it broke that. And when restored, it wasn't just like, I got right relationship with God. No, I entered into a covenant relationship with God. So it's not just about I'm right with God and therefore I got to do some stuff right. No, I'm in covenant with God. Therefore, my body belongs to him. So when Paul says, I beseech you, give your body, it's still your choice. But if you're going to live in a covenant relationship, your body belongs to him. He said it to the Corinthian church like this. He said, why are you giving your bodies? Why are you living like you were before you were Christians and giving your bodies to sexual immorality? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God? When you said, come into my heart, I'm going to make a covenant with you, he said, okay, then I'll bring my spirit in you. I'll give you what is of me, but you got to give me you. Right? So we have to give him this house that the spirit's going to dwell in. And we're like, well, my spirit's made alive. But it dwells in this body. That the body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he said, give your body a living sacrifice. Don't be giving your body over to other stuff. Don't give your body to sexual immorality. Give your body over to wrong things. Give your body over to evil. Make a decision. I'm giving my body to God. And in service to God. It's just reasonable. Right? And again, if you're here and you don't know that, you've been involved in different things, that Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, wait, did you not know this? So if you did not know this, don't leave with condemnation, but know this. God wants my whole being, spirit, soul, and body. So wherever we are, we can say, listen, I'm going to go ahead and give my body to God. Why? Because he knows your body. He created your body. He knows what your body can do. He knows what he can do with your body. Right? And he has some pretty astounding plans. You're like, I don't, know. I don't know if I can give my body to God. I don't know what he's going to do with my body. He might make my body go to Africa. And so I don't want my body to go to Africa. Listen, if God takes your body to Africa, he's going to do something extraordinary, extraordinary in Africa with your body. He's already proven that he's out for your best interest. He gave Jesus, if you believe he gave Jesus to save your life from sin and destruction, how would he not with him freely give you everything? See, that's where doubt comes in. Well, I don't know if I could give him my body. What's he going to do? Well, listen, we're giving our body to a lot of things that the enemy wants to destroy our life with. It would be good to just take a step and say, no, I'm not going to give it to the enemy anymore. I'm going to give it over to God. So he said, give your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God, which is your reasonable service of worship. He's getting to a point that we're going to get to if I can move along and get there. He said, and do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, the conforming to this world, the rhetoric every single day, the impression every day, the, the environment that you're in every single day, you have to be careful because the enemy, who is the God of this world, he's the, the prince of the power of the air. He sets the fads of the day that are in this world. And because he does, they're generally contrary to God. And so he says, don't let all of that infiltrate your soul to be the mindset that you live by. Right? So over the last two and a half years, if we weren't careful, we were easily being, being conformed to this world because we were listening. What in the world is going on? See, the enemy's subtle. Something comes, and we're like, we don't know what's going on. We have to listen. And if you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden you just hear what the world's saying, what the world is doing, and pretty soon you find yourself going, what am I thinking? I'm being squeezed. I'm being conformed into the world's mold. They know that. They understand that. The devil understands that. Those who, he, who don't understand, he equips to do that. Our children are going to school, and they're saying every single day, you should conform, you should conform, you should conform, you should conform. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. This is the way it is. And if we don't have a different mindset, we begin to just easily move into that mold of thinking without even thinking about it. He said, don't, I think it's the message Bible says, don't so easily fall into the way of the world without even thinking about it, but renew your mind to the word of God. Begin to listen to what the word of God says. Study what the word of God says. Displace all of that with what God's saying. Right? Displace that with what God's saying. That's why it's so important. If you had a week worth of news, bad news, Certainly, we should get, gather together all the time. But if you've had a week worth, I just have a week worth of bad news, of course you're not going to feel like coming to church. Because the enemy knows if I can keep you from hearing the word of God, I can give you more bad news next week and next week. And pretty soon, you're like, you throw up your hands. If you've had a bad news week, it's a, that's a perfect time you should come to church and hear what God has to say. Right? If you've had a bad report, it's a good time to come and hear a good report. Because we're renewing our minds so that we can begin to know, first of all, we can begin to know what God did for us in Christ Jesus and what that means to the way we conduct our lives. And once we know what he did for us in Christ Jesus, he said that you might prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He didn't say study the Bible so you can debate it and prove to people you know what it says. He said get the word of God so on the inside of you so that everyday life you can begin to put it to practice and prove that this is the truth about your living. Thank you for your enthusiasm. See, sometimes we just think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this so I can talk to people and I can debate with them and I can show them I know I've studied. He says, no, you want to get this down in your heart so that it changes your life. And when somebody comes against you and you used to go, okay, let's fight. <laughs> they come against you and you're like, I'm going to pray for you because yeah. there's something in me that has compassion for you. When you walk away, you go, I cannot believe that I did that. I would normally have fought them, but somehow I just had love for them. You're proving that what God did in Christ Jesus truly affects you. But if we put that off and go, I have every reason to fight. I, have every, I, de I don't deserve that disrespect. I'll fight them. Well, then you're just conformed to the world. 
So we study this not to debate. Certainly we study it to share it with others, but we get it in our hearts so that what's in us, we begin to prove out this is the will of God. This is the will of God for my life. All right? So he's about to talk about some things that come upon you to empower your life for a higher way of living. But he said, if you're not going to give your body every single day, it's going to be tough to know how you operate in a grace that's upon your life because you're going to have to give yourself to that grace and know it's not you that is God working through you. Okay, he's moving in, in a direction here. So he says this, he says, for I say through the grace that is given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. So Paul is doing something here. He's calling us to know ourselves. He's calling you to know yourself. Right? We have these different perspectives. We can have our perceived image. We can have the image we want people to, uh, how we perceive ourselves. We can have the image we want people to see. But then there's really who we are. And Paul says, uh, instead of making something more of it, we're going to have to come down and know ourselves. So if you're having trouble with that, it would be great to go and listen to Tim's message last week to know who you are in Christ. That identity thing. Once we are secure in who we are in Christ, he's going to get to some things about, about this, this grace that's upon your life. But once we know who we are in Christ, when we find out, wow, there's a grace on me to serve, we don't go, wait a minute, I want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a servant. We realize, no, I know who I am in Christ, and I am glad to serve. Because when you know who you are in Christ, you know that serving isn't just of me. I'm anointed. I'm graced. I'm empowered. I'm favored. I'm influenced by the Spirit of God to serve. And supernatural things are going to come out of your service unless you go like, no, man, I'm too good for serving in that area. All right, we better move on. That didn't. Come on. And so he calls us that once we find ourselves, once we know ourselves, we're going to have to accept ourselves. Come on, we're going to have to accept ourselves. I know who I am in Christ. I know that I'm a member of his body. I know that God's called me to things that make a difference. And they may not be the same as someone else. I'm not here to compare myself with someone else. But I, found, I find the value in who I am and what God has prepared for me and prepared me to be. Come on, there's some supernatural things that are going to come from some unlikely places. Come on, there's going to be some stuff happen, and we see it in the scripture, there's going to be some stuff happen, and all of a sudden, you know, it's going to happen again and again, and all of a sudden, a huge ministry is not going to be built out of it. It's just going to be a humble, man, this is what God's called me to do, and lives are being changed, bodies are being healed, people are being set free. Because we decided, you know what, I accept where I'm at, and it's cool. 
Because really, you know, I didn't get to this today, but, you know, there's different things in the study of this, this fearfully and wonderfully made. This is a little tangent. I'll try to get back where I'm at. Fearfully and wonderfully made. He's talking about the seen parts. You know, Paul says the, the, the parts that are seen are not uh, as needful, you know, like your heart, you can't see it. And uh, your, your, your skin, though needful, uh, you know, if it gets peeled off for a moment, but your heart stops beating, you're in big trouble. Right. So there's unseen parts, certainly the cells that move through your body, but he's talking about the skin, and he says the skin and the outer layer and how it's made up, it's seen by people, but it's also prepared to take the beating that the outward part of your body takes. The bruising and the, the damage, the thing you hit up against, the, you know, Pastor Tasha was talking about, you know, she always cuts the corner, no condemnation. Um, I always just wonder, you know, you've hit the corner of that bed, enough times to think just in your mind, I might not cut this corner. I might just make a wide turn around the bed, but however, however she wants to do it, that's fine. But anyway, that, that outward layer takes that beating. And sometimes we think, I want to be seen, but you're not prepared. God didn't grace you to take the stuff that's going to come. Because if you're seen, Stuff is going to run into you, and you're going to run into stuff. And sometimes that outward layer is protecting the inward layer. The seen is protecting the unseen from the damage that comes. And so you think, oh, I don't want to be unseen, but yet you're more useful. And if you were, out, you were outside the body instead of inside and hit, it would destroy the body. Right? So sometimes we just have to go and say, you know what, uh, man, there is something so powerful that God's doing in my life where I am right now that if no one ever knows it, God knows it, and the people who've been affected by the grace that's upon my life know it. Now, I don't believe God's going to leave you there, but if we got to that point and said, if no one ever knew it except for God and the people I affected, heaven would still be rejoicing All right, and so he's calling us next. He says we have to know ourselves, and then we have to accept ourselves, and then we have to know that whatever God is doing in us or through us in that area that he's graced us is God at work doing something beyond what I can do myself, right? So he's talking about this grace. He says, don't think more highly. He said, I'm, I'm talking to you right now in the authority, the apostleship that God has given me, the authority in your life is only by the grace of God. So I'm not speaking as one who's just being temperamental and emotional. I'm speaking as one who is graced by God to speak into your life. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think because it'll begin to disrupt what God is doing. But to know yourself, to think soberly about what God is doing, what he's about to do in your life where he's placed you, strategically positioned you amongst people and graced you with an empowerment from the Holy Spirit to have a dynamic eternal effect where you are, but it's not you to build that. It's God through you doing something amazing. Right? And so one writer, uh, uh, when he gets into these graces, uh, he, he's just talking about this grace. And, 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 you know, I want us to look at this way. You know, some people will say, man, that's not it. He said, it's not merely talent. But this is where we broaden our thinking concerning the church coming together to be fed and equipped and then going out. 
He said, we'll see somebody. He was using a woodworker. And he says, you can have a woodworker and somebody who works at it and works at it and works to get good. And then you have somebody who just inherently has something on them to create beautiful woodwork. So normally we would call that a talent. But when you realize this is just pretty much who I am, but there's something that God has done extraordinary in me for that. Now understand, you can understand where we live. If you have a, an ability beyond God to create woodwork, there are people that, one, not only will it supply for you and your family, it'll supply for the kingdom of God. But you will also come in contact with people that many other people will not come in contact with. And God has equipped you and graced you with this special ability, this special endowment for one reason in his purpose, and that is to be a witness to him. If we think, well, I'm just a good work, woodworker, and I go to church, and I'm going to go to heaven. God says, don't think that way. Think soberly. Don't think more highly of yourself, but don't think more lowly of yourself. Think as you ought to think. You have an extraordinary ability that came from God. Why? Because it's going to move you into places. God's going to allow that if you use it with the mindset of serving God, he's going to move you into areas that other people won't go into. You're going to have contact with people that other Christians may not have contact with, and you are there to be a witness Come on, he's gonna, the, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord is going to fill all the earth. So he's got people, grace, you know, it's, it's coming to light more and more and more uh, for the body of Christ, but he's got people who are graced in doing business. And the business world has been off in many senses out here, but God is using business people for a number of reasons. There's a whole realm of people out there who do business in the wildest way, in the most dishonest way, yet God has a way of bringing people together in business to supply for the kingdom. And in that same business idea, he'll begin to put a generosity in them. You know, one of the most amazing things about going together with uh, uh, John and Lisa Bevere and a grace that is upon their life, they have a great, uh, there's probably other places in the world that people have this, but in our relationship, my relationships, uh, I know some people, I know a lot of people in ministry, but not anybody in ministry that has the grace of, of God to preach, but he has a, a, an ability of God in his life to draw businessmen together, share with them that they are anointed to do business, and when they are, they see, I'm anointed to do this to be a witness in the kingdom of God. And in moments that Hollywood and the richest people in the world say, you know what, we had a dinner, we had a dinner for this cause, and we raised $150,000. Ah! In that same amount of time, Business people come together realizing that they're anointed for the kingdom of God can bring forth a million dollars. For the kingdom of God. That's, that's a special grace. Because even the people in the world that know how to make money, they're like, wow, they're still holding on to it pretty tight, thinking they're real generous. But when God deals with people, that generosity is amazing. It's amazing how they'll unleash for the kingdom of God. We've watched people, you know, I don't want anybody to think this is too crazy because everybody thinks different about money. But if you're in the room and you know the anointing, 
but people actually, God's put nations on their heart that in order to fund the leaders in that nation and resource them with materials and teaching materials for that nation, it might cost $50,000. They will fight other people to give that $50,000 to affect that nation. They may, their heritage may come from that nation. They may have taken a missions trip to that nation. They may just, God put that nation on their heart. But God put them in business. And they will stand up and literally jump on stage, almost fight with somebody to say, God's put that on my heart. He's supplied. I have the resources to give to that nation. Now, you can ask some other missionaries. If that happens, there's a grace of God on that. Because you can know that you need finances and struggle and struggle and struggle to get finances. And then when you have a grace to draw people together who get, this is what we are doing. This is why God put this grace of business on me. Not just to have nice things, not to just be able, and they have nice things and they do stuff, but I'm just telling you that they'll probably not ever stop having nice stuff because of their generosity. They're sowing seed. And talk about cheerful givers. There's a revelation of God loves a cheerful giver. They're ecstatic about giving. I mean, ecstatic. If I could take you all someday, I would take you all just to observe something that is just, it, it expands the capacity of your spirit to understand that God graces people beyond their own ability to do something for the kingdom of God. It's really a revelation of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, where he says, Do not forget the Lord your God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth for this purpose that he may establish his covenant on the earth. So he begins to talk about these things and talk about graces that come on our life. And in doing this and in just talking about this uh, for a few moments, where are we at? 7.14. Ah, you go a trick at me. The clock broke, and so you put it up there on the screen. Okay. And so, um, praise the Lord. He says to those of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. Come on, we're all equal. We don't all function the same. We don't have the same function. God hasn't put the same function upon us. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So whatever we do, whatever we move, we're members of one another. So when we move out of this place, something to consider, I believe more as we are moving and we see the day approaching, right? We're supposed to assemble together, but we assemble together to go out. And so it's one thing to assemble together and look like the body and and act like the body and feel like the body. It's another thing when we go out there and others are observing us to say it doesn't matter what I do because we are one body. We are members of that body. So what you do that people are observing actually is connected to other people in the body. So it doesn't matter what I do. What does I mean... Really, I mean, just think about this. I'm not going to go get arrested for anything, I promise. But if I got arrested, do you think it would affect you? Other than preaching the gospel, and that would affect you, but you better pray for me. You better all gather together, pray for me, so an angel will come get me out of jail. 
But if all of a sudden you found out out there I was doing something wrong, got arrested, you'd be going like, my God, that was our pastor. You'd all feel connected. You'd all feel something in that, but yet that's me. You, not so much. No, you so much. And although I'm not trying to put anything on, if there's a consciousness that when I'm out there doing stuff, I'm not just reflecting Christ, I'm reflecting his body. There's people I'm connected to, and we all have the same. For New Creation Church, you know, some of you haven't been around all the time, but there was a place where, you know, there was, there was a struggle, and people weren't coming, and all of a sudden, people were getting blessed, and they were, they were going out and reflecting, and this is the thing, I, I mean, as we were growing, people were coming in and said, I just had to come, and I said, well, it's good to meet you, why'd you come? He said, well, I met one person from your church, and they were excited about what was going on, what God was doing in their life, and so I thought, okay, and then I met another person, and they were just the same. They spoke of God. They spoke of the church. I knew them. Their life was changed. He said, I got to start getting curious. And then I met another person from New Creation Church. And so all of a sudden, collectively, we're representing the same life of God, the same thing that God's doing. And people are going, "Um, I'm going to have to go check this out. Why? Because if I met you, and you were of New Creation Church, and you're cussing up and telling dirty jokes, and then I met Bucky, and he's just really, you know, upright and and stoic, and then Sean's just like, hey, uh," (laughs) then I'm not really sure. But all of a sudden, there's something that's so similar that God is doing. I have to check it out. We're members of one another. And so God's doing something that no matter what your trade is, no matter what your vocation is, no matter what your recreation is, He's graced you in a way that the Holy Spirit's on you, that somebody's going to see something that's not strictly of you, that's not strictly of me, but something more than that. And he starts to put it together and say, they have something in the way that they do it that's more than that. It's, it's something different. It's a light. It's God. And they do too. And they do too. What's similar? They belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to them. He's trying to do something powerful. So he goes on to say this. He says, And having gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. So we have to know ourselves, and we have to know the grace. And so here's where we've got off, I think, a little bit in different times. You can examine it. You can narrow it down. But Paul starts to give a list of things. I don't think it's an exhaustive list. He lists some things here to the Roman church. He lists and adds some other things to the Corinthian church. And then Peter comes about and he says this. He says, I want you to be a good steward of the manifold grace of God, which means the many-sided, many-colored grace of God. And then he says this. He said, so if you speak, speak as of the oracles of God. And if you serve, Serve with the ability that God gives. He just gives two categories, but he says the manifold grace of God. So it would be hard to think he's just talking about those two things. And then when you go back, you see Paul has this list of grace, and then he he has the members of the body, how they look different. And so he's beginning to go into this list of things, and really some of them, we understand this, there's some things that there's going to be a grace for speaking I like what Peter says. He said there's a couple of categories. One, if you have a grace of speaking, then don't just speak. Endeavor to speak as of the oracles of God. 
which means be a mouthpiece for God. Not of your own opinion, but of God. God frowned on the fact that there was Old Testament false prophets that told the people they were speaking for God, and God said, they're not speaking for me at all. So even when it comes down to understanding speaking, and when we think about prophecy, and we think about uh, words of wisdom, word of knowledge, to just pause for a minute and say, okay, there's a grace for this, but it's not just what I've thought up in my own thinking. There's something by the Spirit of God that's coming. And when I say it, God wants to impact a life not impact my ministry. Let's impact a life. So I want to see how God's working in this. And so often that's the, the thing about developing the grace that is in your life, that there is a faithfulness to it. And that faithfulness, you know, as John Bevere said, that faithfulness defined is really multiplication. But how does that work? First of all, I have faith in God. I've given my life to God. I've given it to Jesus Christ. And the more I see what he's done for me, the more faith I'm filled with about this. And now that I see what he's done for me, I see what the Holy Spirit's doing in me, what he's about to do through me. And I'm staying with it, the developmental process, as he does that. And there's so many things you learn in the developmental process, so many things as you begin to observe and yield to the grace of God that you don't jump out and say, this is the fullness of what I, I, I'm called to, but you realize God is working with me and teaching me things. And the things that you do and the things that you serve, the areas that you serve in are instrumental, right? Where you are, uh, whether you do woodworking, construction, business, say, well, I'm called to the ministry. So many business people have felt called to the ministry, quit business, gone into the ministry, and miserably failed because they were called into the ministry of business. But they saw business as just a way to make money and make a living, but it was good to go beyond that. It was to have influence for the kingdom of God and influence on other business leaders. I said this this morning. You know, ministry, uh, you know, what we do here, and the, and the Bible talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, um, 12, one of the lists he gives is administrations. And sometimes that throws us off. We're like, hmm. But literally, when you start to study it, in the day, the church was just beginning, and they had the apostles and the prophets and the preachers, and, and the church was disorganized, and God anointed people to administrate, to bring some order, anointed to administrate, administrate. <laughs> Got to not cut that short. Um, praise the Lord. And so for a number of years, you know, uh, we had an anointed administrator. Eileen was anointed. Right? Huh, Eileen. She came and she said, God called me to do this. She was anointed to administrate, to communicate, to bring order. And really, you know, you don't have to ask her because I'll just be honest. But, you know, when she came to say she was going to help me, there was no more need in the church at that point in time than to help me administrate what God had given us for a vision. Right? So there's an anointing. For, then we think, well, I've got to go into the ministry. Well, yeah, but she worked at the church. But before that, she worked in a law office, and she was still anointed to administrate and make a difference. 
When I was working construction, there was still something on my life that every place that I worked, every construction company that I worked for, we, I saw people saved. And, and when I started to notice there's something different, I, you know, I saw this girl, we, I witnessed to her, she got born again, and we started having a Bible study at lunch all the time. We're just, I took my Bible, we'd have a Bible study. I'm like, man, there's revelation coming from this that I'm teaching her. There's something here. But it was all on a construction site. God's graced you in certain ways. So we think, you know, he starts off with prophecy, and, he, and we think, well, I'm going to be a prophet. Well, he just really means prophecy, inspired utterance, and that's why he says, if you're going to preach to people, look at the level or the measure of faith you have in what you're saying. Do you really believe what you're telling people? Because you don't have to know the whole Bible. You just have to know something that Jesus said and believe in it, and you can convey that to somebody with faith. And he'll expand that as you grow in the knowledge of him. But some people say, I just want to prophesy. And they start prophesying, but it's not really according to anything that they truly believe in or putting to practice in their life. Many times we have young people coming up wanting to preach, and they're grabbing every message from everybody else that sounds good and tickles people's ears. But if it came right down to what they believed, they don't even know if they believe what they preach, but it got people's attention, and people said, ah, that was awesome. But he said, have faith in what it is that you're, you're going to preach. So there is that grace and understanding. This isn't of me. This is not what I can come up with. It's what God's doing in me. It's something that God's doing so that when I speak, people understand. God begins to minister to them. Then he goes on to this. All right, got to hurry up. Are you all with me? Come on, I believe this is so vital right now as, as we really begin to see and, and spread this out just a little bit, that there is so much that God wants to do as we come together to work, to build up, to equip, but as we go out, that isn't religious. It's not the norm, but man, it's going to be life-changing. But it's going to take some understanding who I am, where God's placed me, and this isn't going to be of me. It's going to be of God. Because as he goes into in this chapter, and we'll have to do, talk about it next time, but he talks about how we conduct ourselves in love, how we honor one another, how we respect one another, how we don't get upset by the evil that's around us. We don't start bantering back and forth, giving people what they, we think they deserve, but we really understand walking in love and how we distribute this grace even amongst people who are difficult to deal with because God's wanting to really work some miraculous things. And we're going to see a greater manifestation of the Holy Spirit of God as that starts to happen, because people are going to come in, and God's going to manifest himself in some extraordinary ways, not to entertain us who already know and have seen his manifestation, but those of us who have seen his manifestation that are affected by it that go out and bring people in. Corporately, there's going to be manifestations that will start to really impact their life by the anointing. And really not different. I mean, somebody told me this morning, they said, you know what, the anointing was so strong this morning that they were almost having trouble standing up. But there were some people that didn't even recognize there was an anointing here because they were expecting something different. So there's things going on, but when somebody doesn't really know it's the first experience, they're like, this is God. When we get used to God, we're like, could you do something different, God? But if we realize we're bringing a supply and somebody who may not have experienced that before is like, man, there's something here. 
because we're letting God do what God does. So he goes, prophecy, proportion to your faith. Or ministry, or let's just change this because we have this idea of ministry. Or serving, let us use it in our service. So we're serving. So the first example, really, that we see of serving is Acts chapter 6. I'm going to have to end with this one, but I'm just trying to encourage you. Hopefully it's encouraging. You all are pretty quiet, but God's fixing to do something. He's already starting it. But we kind of see it in here, and he'll do some stuff in here for us to motivate us, but we're trying to lay the groundwork that when you all of a sudden go like, man, the anointing was here tonight, we go out Monday, and we're like, all right, so something's going on where I'm working, and it's not going to be like that, right? So if we have a Holy Ghost drunk service, it's probably not going to work for you to work and go, I got drunk in the Holy Ghost at church last night. That's probably not going to minister to them that well. But the fact that the presence of God is on you, and you, there's a different joy and strength about you because you are in the presence of God. There's a different understanding of that person that you used to have trouble with, and you're seeing them differently because you're in the presence of the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, something's going to happen. The grace is going to be released from your life there. So sometimes when we're together, we have a, we have a good old time together. But God's doing something to grace you to minister out there. So in Acts chapter 6, if you'll remember, things started going on. The church started to explode. One of the areas, again, all these areas, there had to be administrators, but they said, you know, they were going on, they were preaching the word, people were coming in, the widows uh, uh, needed to be taken care of, and there needed to be service take place. And so the disciples said, what are we going to do? Because if we start serving people and we don't uh, we, we abandon the word and we abandon training people, then we're, we're going to be in the midst of that and the church is going to stop growing. So they said, what do we do? And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to find seven men of good reputation full of the Holy Ghost. To do what? To serve widows. I don't need to be full of the Holy Ghost to serve widows. I'm just going to take... No, he said, you find men full of the Holy Ghost to serve. Because I want some extraordinary stuff to happen in those widows' lives as they serve them. I don't need to be full of the Holy Ghost to go over there to children's church. But if you are, watch out for a revival with kids. Come on, I don't need to be... Full of the Holy Ghost to greet? Oh. But if you are, watch at seeing somebody's face and saying, how are you doing today? Not so good. Just give me a moment. What do you, what, hey, it's been a bad week. I'm just going to pray with you right now. In the name of Jesus. And all of a sudden, the grace that's on your life brings a healing, breaks an oppression over their life. Ooh, I prayed for six people and had no oppression. I'm going into the ministry. No, you're in the ministry. Come on. <laughs> Come on. And you're protected. Nobody knows that. You were just greeting. You're not taking the shots that come. Service. Man, I tell you, when we have anointed servers... Like, this is what I'm doing. I'm anointed. Whew. When you realize God's anointed, yeah, but I don't really like that. And you have to stand before him and say, I know you graced me in this area, 
but I didn't like it too much. To him who teaches in teaching, him who exhorts in exhortation. Paul is so simple about this. He's like, once you identify the grace, it's just what he said, use it. Use it. I'm just telling you, exhorters, I love exhorters. Of course, I would love exhorters, you know that. And, and we've had different exhorters in the church. And you don't know, I mean, certainly they probably bless you. I'm just giving you this example, right? Uh, Brian was an exhorter, and he went to be with heaven. I'm, I'm asking God about these things. He went, and then uh, Anna Deckert was an exhorter, and she moved to Washington. And so what an exhorter does, they'll do this for your life, I'm just telling you. That when I would finish a message, they would come up, and they would give me all the reasons why that was like the best message in the whole world. Even if I went, jeez, I think I missed God today. And I'm ready to go home and go, God, man. They come up and go, oh, that was the best. So it makes me not go home and go, oh, my God. I can still go home and go, God, I think I missed it. I need help. But I'm not down because an exhorter goes, that was awesome. Just had a lady today exhort us in just a supernatural God way because she's anointed to exhort. Makes all the difference in somebody's life if you're an exhorter. Yeah, but I want to stand up in thousands of people and exhort. Well, start with the people right here. Right? Teach. Well, I'm going to teach. I'm going to teach crowds of people. But if you can teach children, or you can teach youth, or you can teach at the schools, whatever you realize the grace is, he said, start using the grace and watch it develop into something. But when that grace is upon you in exhortation, God carries something supernatural with that exhortation that changes something in somebody's life. It brings them out of something, that exhortation where you never know the enemy may be oppressing them to such a point that they just feel like they're worthless and the gift of exhortation in you breaks that. It doesn't just make them happy for a moment. It's the anointing, and it breaks that yoke. Well, I don't even know if I did anything. You broke a yoke that was controlling their life. Well, all I did was exhort them. Yeah, and an exhorter. I try to exhort, and sometimes people think I'm chewing them out. And I know you think as a pastor, well, you should have the gift of exhortation. I ask God about that, but sometimes it's just not on me. But that's what I mean to do. I want to encourage you. They're like, man, I just feel like you chewed me out. I'm like, how could you feel like I chewed you out? I just. But then somebody else would come up. You know, Brian, you all know Brian. He used to do this. Everybody just thought he was the sweetest guy in the world. But I have an office right next to him. Man, I thought he was jumping up and down on people. I mean, he would get intense. People think I'm intense. He would get intense. I'd hear him in there. I'm like, oh, my gosh, these people are never coming back to the church. What is, I'm going to have to have a counseling session with him on how he's dealing with these people right now. And they would go out, and I'd hear him. Oh, and then I, I would sometimes just go out to the front to see, like, if they were damaged goods when they left or something. <laughs> and they would come out, and they're like, I feel so much better. I just love Pastor Brian. And they'd walk out, and I'm like, if I would have had that tone of voice, they'd have left the church and never come back. <laughs> Ever. How does he do that? We had a gift of exhortation, and he used it. All right, why don't you stand up? 
Sorry, I was kind of all over the map. There's a whole lot of stuff that goes with this, but I'm just trying to encourage you. If you feel chewed out, it's just not my gift. Um, <laughs> or instruct you. God's got something on your life that's incredibly important. Sometimes we look at it in a ministry way that we built up. Certainly, I'm not throwing out all those areas. But when we start right where we're at, and we know who we are, and we humble ourselves to God, and we're ready to understand and work within that parameter and know that what we have is from God and not from us, God will start a work in you where you're at to affect people's lives for all of eternity. And as you're faithful with that, as you're faithful with that, God begins to increase. As you're faithful with that, God begins to increase the sphere of your influence and increase the grace that's on your life. He says he'll do that. He says, if you're faithful to understand what we're beginning with, I will increase that which is upon your life. And that when I increase it upon your life, you understand with humility it's not of you, it's of God. And God's going to affect more and more people. He's going to draw them in in a great measure. He said, we're members of one another. We're all linked. We're connected. But we don't have the same function. We're not all going to be with the same people all week long. We're not all going to touch the same lives because God spread us out throughout the community. He says, you know, we're going to go on to this, but he talks about love and how when we do that with sincerity, we so love God, we're going to put aside things that are not right. It's going to really energize and, and charge up who we are because we're not going to walk around going, wow, during the week I felt pretty bad, and so Sunday, now he's going to be really uh, exponentially uh, moving by his spirit upon his church, not just when we come together, but when we go out into our day-to-day lives, our waking up, our going to sleep, our moving around lives. Amen. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to deal with every heart and every life, no matter if we think we know, that we'll take some time and begin to get with you steadfastly in prayer, that you can begin to encourage us and who we are in Christ, what you're doing in our lives, that we don't see ourselves as less than someone else, but wherever you are placing us, wherever you have strategically got us, there is a grace and an empowerment to be a witness to you wherever we go. Not of our own duty or of our own obligation, but as we love you, as we know what you're doing in our life, there is a joy to understanding the grace that you've put upon our life, the gifting, and using it to affect people wherever we go. God, we love you. We love you so much. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for anointing and gracing our life to do something more than we could do simply on our own. Show us the giftings upon our life that we truly might live and walk in them. 
that you would receive the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Say this, we go, what?